Global business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm John Tucker, Ian, the newsroom for this Bloomberg Business Flash being brought to you by National Realty, managers of New York, New Jersey, Philadelphia, and Florida cash flow real estate, offering safe, high-yield cash flow property units. See them at nria.net. The stock market had its biggest drop in almost three weeks, led by banks and technology companies. The decline today follows back-to-back weekly gains. Traders were assessing the growing tensions with North Korea, which conducted another test over the weekend. Energy companies rose today along with the price of crude oil. Bank of America slumping 3.2%. Schlumberger rose 2.8%. The S&P 500... It fell today about 19 points to 24.57, a decline of three-tenths, three-quarters of a percent. Dow Jones Industrial Average ending the session down 234 points, 1% lower at 21,753. The Nasdaq Composite Index was down 59 points, down nine-tenths at 63.75. We check the markets for you every 15 minutes during the trading day right here on Bloomberg Radio. Now back to Bloomberg Markets and Lisa Bramowitz. Thank you so much, John Tucker. I am Lisa Bramowitz, and I am in for Carol and Corey. This is Bloomberg. is making his comeback and here to tell us all about it is Simone Foxman, our investing reporter here at Bloomberg News. And she joins me here in our Bloomberg 1130 studio in New York. Simone, you, were gonna, you wrote a fantastic story talking about how Steve Cohen, who was who agreed to a ban of about three years uh, due to allegations of insider trading or to settle allegations of insider trading uh, regarding his SAC capital. That he's now charting his comeback as a hedge fund manager. Can you tell us a little bit about what you learned? Well, it's a very sort of coy marketing strategy here. Um, his firm, uh, we broke the news last year that he, they'd engaged an external marketing firm to sort of test the air with investors like, what would you want if we were to sort of launch money again? Now it turns out, now we find out um, that not only are they sort of throwing this idea around, in fact, uh, prospective investors in, you know, a new, a new Steve Cohen fund, are going to be given a trove of marketing documents over the next few weeks. Um, essentially, everything that would be, uh, allow them to make a decision come the expiration of this settlement on January 1st, do I want to put money in this new this new firm, which is called Stanford Harbor Capital, um, that, that Steve Cohen owns and uh, uh, presumably will be very much a part of. So what's the pitch here? Do you have any sense? I mean, uh, so Steve Cohen was known as getting 30% returns annually, crazy returns that attracted investors, you know, no matter what the methodologies were that he used. And now right. not only do you have, I mean, forget the allegations of insider trading. Uh, you have a time when hedge funds have underperformed for quite a long time. I was looking at a prequin survey today showing uh, that 70% of investors surveyed over the past three years have been disappointed with the hedge fund performance uh, of, of funds that they've been invested with. Right. I mean, so certainly the pitch is uh, Steve Cohen was great in the past. 
you know, the insider trading things aside, um, he can still make a lot of money. There's a lot of upside potential. Um, the pitch is also a little bit there. There are a lot of allocators out there with a lot of of money, uh, and a lot of that money, the sa- one of the safer places to put it is in multi manager funds, um, which have a bunch of different portfolio managers ma- managing assets. Think of Millennium, Citadel. These are f- firms that have performed decently well. They haven't lost your money for the right. most part. So, yeah, um, yeah. so, so I think, right, exactly. So I, th- I think definitely investors are saying, look, these are the kinds of funds I would put that money in anyway. And then I have this upside potential of Steve Cohen. Uh, so, you know, he was, who was so good for well, so long. But hold on a second. I want to push back on that because his point seventy two asset management hasn't done that well, right? Right. Well, and this is, this has been, I guess, the, the concern, right? They, for about 18 months there, they really weren't making any money. And they've done okay this year since then. And just 5%. to be clear, so point seventy two asset management, so as not to breach his agreement with the U.S. attorney, uh, it only manages his own money, right? So he's not accepting outside client money, which was the agreement that he would not do right. that until January 2018. Uh, but the underperforming aspect of this is concerning as he tries to pitch a new complete strategy. Just to give you a sense, he's up about 5% year to date, which sounds okay, but that's less than emerging markets dead or you know, you could find a number of different Less than the classes. S&P, less for sure. Right. Yeah. Right. No, I mean, I, that is absolutely a concern that investors have but you know look I, I think I think if you're gonna be in hedge funds you you've got to think about where you're gonna be you're either gonna be with really small you know niche managers who are very specialized um, uh, or you're going to go for the safe bet which are these big asset management firms and so I think that's that's kind of you know from what I the allocators I talk to there's gonna be money lining up out the door this is wow. not this is yeah there are a lot of people excited for Steve Cohen to return whatever his problems were your performance hasn't been great but it hasn't been horrible there are a lot of people who are doing worse so right. um, so I think I think certainly you're gonna see people you know betting betting on uh, Steve Steve Cohen, should this go forward, which they're couching very, you know, um, I'd be 95, yes. 95% certain. <laughs> well, I'm just wondering uh, whether you have any idea about fees. Fees. Now, there there have been some reports that the, there will be less than the typical 3 and 30 that they used to charge, um, that they might do a pass-through Three and structure. 30? Whoa, whoa, yeah, whoa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 30? Well, and hold on. Just to be clear for anyone who doesn't know, that's 3% upfront. Uh, fee and then a 30% performance fee. So any profits, they take a 30% cut. Holy cow. But I mean, note that returns were still, you know, at annualized 30% per year with those fees. So, I mean, you don't mind the fees when you are making a lot of money on them. So this, the structure I think is going to be a little bit different based on what we've seen reported. Obviously, this is still in flux. Um, and, you know, the, the more information on fees could be part of the materials that are sent to uh, allocators in the coming weeks. Okay. So then aside from the fees concern, the general uh, unimpressive impression that a lot of people have with hedge funds recently and the tepid flows. Um, there's a question about whether stock picking still has the same value today. You know what? I, I'm sorry to do this. We'll have to continue this conversation later. Right now, let's listen in on President Trump. This was him speaking earlier on tax reform. Thank you very much. I'm pleased to be here with Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, House Speaker Paul Ryan, 
and the two leaders of our tax writing committees, Chairman Orrin Hatch and Chairman Kevin Brady. We've been working on tax reform for months with our Secretary of the Treasury, Stephen Mnuchin, and Gary Cohn, our National Economic Council Director. Since the day I took office, As you mentioned moments ago here on Bloomberg Radio, we heard the president's call for tax reform. Earlier, the president acted to end DACA, the Obama-era program that stopped the deportation of about a million people brought here illegally as children. During his short statement on taxes, the president said he has a love for the Dreamers and hopes Congress will do something. House Speaker Paul Ryan says those affected by the decision haven't done anything wrong and he hopes to find a permanent remedy. Hurricane Irma could be even worse than Hurricane Katrina. It is already a Category 5 storm and the most powerful to ever form in the Atlantic. It's not expected at this time to hit Houston as it tries to recover from Hurricane Harvey. But it is on track to affect several Caribbean islands, including Puerto Rico. And Florida's governor has already declared a state of emergency. Lisa? Thank you so much, Adrian Mitchell. I am Lisa Abramowitz in for Carol and Corey. This is Bloomberg. But you're going to have to serve somebody. Yes, you are. You're going to have to serve somebody. Hewlett-Packard Enterprises has been serving a lot more people than analysts were expecting. They released earnings just after the bell closed, and they were... To quote our in-house expert, surprisingly good. So to find out exactly why, I want to bring in this expert, Anand Srinivasan. He's senior semiconductor and hardware analyst for Bloomberg Intelligence. Uh, and he joins me here in the New York studio. Anand, why was this particular earnings report so uh, surprisingly good? I think expectations were pretty low going into the print, Lisa. And one of the things that we're seeing is uh, HP Enterprise historically has not had a uh, a secular sort of a structural mousetrap answer to what's happening with um, IT, which is the movement to the cloud. Um, And they've been very, very strong on corporate IT, which has been weakening, and cloud, which has been growing. Now, given that backdrop, servers actually still came in Week down 1% year on year for the quarter, but the surprise came in from storage, which was up 11% year on year, and margins were up slightly, and um, EPS, as you can see, was um, was up nicely as well. Now, whether this continues going forward is is a story yet to be told, but um, you know this was a very very strong print particularly when combined with the fact that expectations were pretty negative going into the uh, into the results. And even though they cut full-year adjusted earnings per share forecast, which should be kind of a flag, but not in light of the uh, good good storage data. We have to figure out how much of that came from the software group, which remember that after the HP, HPE spinoff or HPQ, HPE spinoff, the PC division versus the corporate IT division, uh, HP Enterprise has undertaken – more of a spin merger transaction uh, with its services division as well as its software division. So the software division is now being um, uh, spun off um, and and will join another entity and no longer be part of HP Enterprise. So what will be um, remaining with HP Enterprise as of going forward will, will be the server business, the storage business, the networking business, um, ex-China, and uh, the financial services business, which is a leasing business. So uh, 
what is the competitive landscape? Because I personally have talked to a number of companies uh, and the CEOs or CFOs that are directly competing with storage. I mean, storage is a very hot uh, area where a lot of inv- a lot of companies are trying to get in. Did did HPE give a sense of how it's trying to win business and what it offers other than lower prices? Right. So here, the, there's a movement underway away from spinning hard drives to um, uh, NAND memory based system, solid stride drive-based systems, and here, that particular business, that segment of their business, all flash arrays, as it's called, which is very, very popular within corporate IT, was up 30% in constant currency. So it's a big grower for them. It's a very small footprint, but very fast-growing footprint. We have a lot of these technology movements as well as these business model movements underway, the shift from in-house to cloud, the shift from hard disk drives to solid-state drives, and the shift from a license-based sale to a subscription-based sale in the case of software. These are um, secular shifts, and they're all, unfortunately, headwinds to HP from uh, uh, an imprint of the business as it stands. So most of HP's business is in corporate IT, not in the cloud. Most of HP's business is hard disk drive-based storage systems, not all flash arrays. Most of HP's business... No, no, not flash arrays. What are those? All flash arrays. All flash arrays are basically storage racks built with a new kind of storage technology which uses semiconductors rather than spinning platters of hard disk drives. Okay. One is significantly faster than the other, but one is the other one is significantly cheaper than the first. So you have these contending forces, if you may. One is preferred very heavily by um, in-house based storage, and the other one is um, heavily biased in uh, by the cloud guys. So you have all of these moves going on, and unfortunately, HP is a big company, and twenty-three it's, billion dollar market cap. Yeah, well, and it's it's bread is buttered very heavily on the legacy technology side. So when you have these shifts underway that are faster growing, they see the negative brunt of it, and unfortunately, they don't have enough business in the new technology side to take advantage of it. Did they give any inclination or did any any sense of whether they have cash to divert into these other businesses, the newer models, uh, or whether they're hung up with servicing all of the old models that are more work intensive uh, and don't have the uh, capacity to really expand in the in the real areas? That, that's a great pivot. They have made um, uh, acquisitions. Unfortunately, the acquisitions aren't sizable enough to make um, a substantive pivot towards the new direction. And, you know, on the, in HP's uh, defense, one of the issues is that if you do end up servicing the cloud, it's not like the, ser- the cloud business is particularly lucrative from a margin perspective, right? The corporate IT business is very services intensive. They be- tend to buy higher end systems. And as a result, the margin dollars associated with that is much higher. Unfortunately, it's declining. And on the cloud side, it's very commodity driven and the margin dollars associated with you, with that is lower. So it's one of those darned if you do, darned if you don't kind of scenarios. And from a technology perspective, this is kind of slow-moving, sticky, longer term. And the cloud business tends to move very, very aggressively, very lumpy, but big contracts, but lower profitability. So which poison do you prefer? So so this brings me back to the question. I still don't understand exactly how they beat then on storage. So uh, this is a business that, remember, that they were underexposed to. They bought a business. And I that, see. So, so as part of the acquisition, and they've uh, taken the right steps in the last two quarters, and it has helped this particular quarter. Now, uh, we'll see if that helps FY18. 
Is this is this business really um, obsolete at this point? I mean, is it is it could it potentially be obsolete in say five years? From a footprint perspective, it's very very important. Now, the problem associated with this is margins. It's getting more and more and more commoditized. So HP's operating margins in the last quarter were six percent in the enterprise business, which is uh, which is the second best operating margin that it's had in yeah. the last seven quarters. So. Again, this is all single-digit operating yeah. margin business, so uh, I don't know whether it becomes more profitable. It doesn't go away, right. but it doesn't become more profitable. Thank you so much. Thank really, you. really wonderful to have you. Anand Sridhavasan, Bloomberg Intelligence Semiconductors and Hardware Analyst, talking about HPE. Its shares are rising uh, in aftermarket, going from about $14 to uh, $14.65. Right now, let's go get a check on world and national headlines. Adrian Mitchell has that for us in the Bloomberg 99.1 Newsroom in Washington, D.C. Adrian. Thank you, Lisa. President Trump says he has a love for those who have been thrown into legal limbo by his decision to end DACA, the Obama-era program that stopped the deportation of about a million people brought here illegally as children, and he hopes Congress will do something for them. Attorney General Jeff Sessions announced the president's decision. As Attorney General, it is my duty to ensure that the laws of the United States are enforced and that the constitutional order is upheld. There will be a six-month delay to give Congress time to write DACA protections into law. So what happens now? Cato Institute policy analyst David Beer tells Bloomberg Radio the impact won't be felt all at once since people got their DACA permits at different times. They get a two-year permit to work and live legally in the United States. That permit will expire you're pretty much going to have some people being able to stay in their DACA status until 2020. Some people will lose their DACA status in in 2019, and some people will lose their DACA status in 2018. The president spoke very briefly about DACA at the end of a short statement on tax reform. He says he will do more than reform the tax system. He pledges to cut taxes. Hurricane Irma is a Category 5 storm and the most powerful ever to form in the Atlantic. The storm is on track to affect several Caribbean islands, including Puerto Rico, and Florida is under a state of emergency. Global News, 24 hours a day, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Adrian Mitchell.